and welcome to Episode 300. That's right, we are doing the 300th episode of Story Screen Presents podcast series. The We've done 300 of these bad boys. So many podcasts. We, we're going to do it uh, in, in memoriam at the end where you find out how we all died. <laughs> and we just get teary-eyed and sad. It's it's This is it. This is the 300th episode. We're done after this. We're not doing it anymore. I'm canceling the podcast. It's over. Sounds uh, great. Sounds great. <laughs> uh, my name is Robbie Anderson. You probably heard my voice a, f- a few times if you listen to the podcast, and I'm joined by other people you might have heard a few times if you've listened. Bernadette Gorman-White, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for the two of you for taking me up on this very stupid idea. Well, thank yeah, thank you for presenting this stupid idea. We'll talk more about that mm-hmm. very soon. And I'm also joined by the White Knight of Movies, Mike Burge. I'm great. Great. Are you excited We've to not do podcasting. any podcasting? Don't Are you excited to not do any more after this? Worry about me at all. Everything's fine. Great. Don't listen to what anybody tells you. Don't pay attention to how I look or what I sound like. I'm great. Never been better gonna be alive forever (laughs) i'll commit no more brain space to worrying about you ever again please do not (laughs) much like how how we're never doing another episode of this podcast i will never Mm -hmm. worry about how you're doing again (laughs) great uh so we're coming up on episode 300 we've actually recorded we have episode 301 in the bag and bernadette came up with the idea it's like what if we just talked about the movie 300 for our 300th episode and i was like bernadette you Fuck, that is the smartest thing I've ever heard in my life. So good that I think I think it's a really good way to end the podcast. Yeah, forever. On that note, just forever. And then hold um, on to that episode three hundred one that just we have recorded. Just, it's like, just oh, if we ever want to reboot it, we've got it. In ten years, we'll be like, yeah. and we're back. Um, and we'll it's a time that. capsule of sorts. Yeah, it'll be weird because it will be a ten-year-old movie, but yeah. that's fine. We do that sometimes too. Uh, yeah, we're here to talk about 300. Uh, you know, I did a hot take this morning, so I'm like in hot take mode. But Woo. this isn't a hot take. This is a bit of a cool take. Uh, 300, directed by Zack Snyder. Probably, the it's the movie that I think got him to where he is now in 2022. And the legacy of that is very interesting, I think, to talk about. Uh, 300 came out in 2006. We were all different people in 2006. The world was different. Just only a few years out of 9-11, George W. Bush, no longer with us, also died. It's a crazy time for everyone. A time capsule of sorts. Some of us are in high school. Some of us are doing other stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, so where, Bernadette, where were you the day 300 came out? Ooh, don't know where I was the day it came out. However, Bern, you're, you're not supposed to forget. Never forget. What are you talking forget. about? <laughs> Uh, but I will say, I did see this in theaters. I was only 17, maybe 16 when this came out. So I don't know who took me to this movie. Yeah. Probably the first time I saw a sex scene in theaters. Nice. Definitely not my first R-rated movie that I remember, but it could be. 
But yeah, that's uh, that's where I was when this movie came out. Not day of, but around a general around area of in time. General, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, Mike Burge, where were you the day Three Hundred came out? I remember. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> Perfect. Standing in line at a Panera Bread on the military base in Yokosuka, Japan. Hmm. I saw an advertisement come up on one of the many LED screens at said Panera Bread. It said 300 playing now. And I looked over uh, to the friend of mine that did not exist because when you're in the military, you don't have friends, no matter what anybody says. And I said to them out loud, let's go see that. And the person behind me got annoyed. And then I (laughs) left the line and I went and saw 300. And I had a great time. I saw 300, so I was not 17 yet, and me and my neighborhood friends, we were like, we want to see 300, and Mom was just like, well, I'll take you guys to see 300, and uh, for the most part, that was a really good time, and there were definitely some parts where that was a mediocre time to see a movie with your mother. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But since then, you know, I remember we got the DVD, and it was like a sleepover watch the movie special for a few years it was good in that way so yeah now you know revisiting this this landmark moment in cinema um i watched it last night and i was like you know some things about this movie movie have not aged well other things it's still pretty fucking cool i had a great time rewatching 300 i thought it was a ton of fun um i didn't realize they got a white person to be uh, Xerxes, but whatever. <laughs> Didn't realize that. Um, so that was weird. And uh, yeah, but I thought it was a it was a really good time. And, I, and the things that I thought were so interesting, you know, having seen, having come through the other end of Zack Snyder's affair with DC um, and seeing, you know, kind of probably the movie that I think really got him into doing superhero stuff. I guess Watchmen, I think, came out after this and that's that's probably really what got him Superman and and those things. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really interesting to see kind of, you know, what about this movie really worked and how those things carried over into other movies really don't work. Um, and those are, those are some of the, the things that really were speaking to me as, as I was doing this rewatch. Um, Bernadette, what, how were you doing rewatching the seminal film 300? <laughs> yeah, I rewatched it today. All of it. Nice. Nice. So, yeah, I'm like mere hours out from having seen it again, probably since theaters. I know it used to like play at like parties. People just like have it on in the background. That's a good party movie. Yeah, just to like have. Um, yeah. But I, I don't remember ever watching it like in full ever since theaters. Um, Yeah, wild that this movie, because when I watched it when I was, you know, back in 2006, to me, it came across as just, like, very masculine, like, hyper-masculine. But, like, nothing in the mov- movie really bothered me except for, you know, like, the implicit rape scene. Yeah. Um, that sucks. But everything else about it was, like, <laughs> pretty pretty yeah. okay. And I was, like, into it as a movie as a whole. But rewatching it was so strange to find it, like, so homoerotic and yet also very homophobic. But... When it's not <laughs> indulging in those things, like, still pretty fun. And I love, like, how it looks and just, like, the art design and the strong commitment to, like, those terribly 
abrasive HDR shots. Like, things about it are very cool, but I'm like, I don't think you're as cool as what you think you are. But since it's based off a graphic novel, I know they're, like, pulling shots from the book. But I think it, like, looks really cool, and I still enjoyed watching it. But yeah, it kind of blew me away, because at the time, I wasn't tracking who Michael Fassbender was, or who Dominic West was. So, like, watching it again, I was like, what? What the fuck? These guys are in this movie? So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike, how was your rewatch of of the seminal film 300? It was great. Fantastic. Anyway, so... (laughs) (laughs) No, I I have, like, a, a, a super weird opinion on 300 um i think it's an incredible movie uh i think it's one of the best movies of the 21st century even though it kind of has led to everybody copies it like in movies that it should not be copied uh even the director Zack snyder is trying to do things in this movie that are really cool and work because of how simple and silly the movie is. And he tries to do them in other movies and they don't work. Cause I, I again, uh, off of uh, what Byrne said, I think that he thinks it's cool um, yeah. to just do it, but it's cool because of how he's doing it and why he's doing it in 300 based off of like, you know, the graphic novel and all of these things. And, the simplicity of the story kind of lends itself to it naturally lends itself to a style over substance uh, kind of experience where it's just like this movie is about an army of douchebags that go to fight another army of douchebags. And they're just like, well, who's going to give up first? And like, that's kind of the movie. And that's also kind of like the, the theme of the movie, you know, like what is adversity without adversity to, kind of combat it like who will kneel and who will like all this stuff so it's like the movie doesn't have a whole lot on its mind the comic book really also is like really just kind of talking about these things of you know how we glorify violence throughout history and these like legendary moments and stuff and the movie is doing that as well just because i think that Zack snyder was so involved in like the stylism and like how everything looks and like the charm of it all as opposed to like trying to build out any um any additional story on top of it which good um you know and that's like it's very interesting to watch this now and be like you know Zack Snyder had one movie before this Dawn of the Dead uh which was really good um more so because of James Gunn's script and just for the fact that it was kind of like really jumping on that zombie kind of like height at like the turn of the century that was kind of going on with like Shaun of the Dead and 28 Days Later. But 300 is like one is is, is 300% a Zack Snyder movie. And you can see it all there. And for all of its faults and declines that have happened throughout Zack Snyder's career, where he just kind of keeps going back to the same toolbox. It is very interesting to see that 300 is like, the toolbox like it's all there like all the things that he does in all of his movies that make it a Zack Snyder movie they're all right there in 300 and I don't think that it's so much of like the birth of an auteur as it is like he went into 300 trying to make a movie that looked like the comic and felt like the comic and had the same charm and feel of the of Frank Miller's comic and it looks really cool. It made a lot of money. 
and his name was attached to it and he's just like cool that's what i do now and while it works with a bunch of like really homoerotic men just like fighting each other and going absolutely crazy uh it doesn't really work so much with superman and aquaman um so also doesn't really work with sucker punch too which i think is a god-awful movie but you know well i don't know you know what you guys yeah or watch watchman's the biggest aggressor where it's just like dude you did not get that that. like we're not the first ones to say that (laughs) where it's like you do not understand why this stuff is cool you're just like these are the cool things that i like about it whereas 300 again like there's not a whole lot to really dig into at least as far as the charm that i like about it which is why i think it works so well in this movie and and re-watching it today <clears throat> i was just like look at this thing this thing just like works it bounces it never tries to like it never tries to aspire to anything else that it can't it can't attain so it never fails in like what it's trying to do so you might not like what it's doing which i know tons of people that don't and that's absolutely fine but like I feel like this movie like sets its sights on what it wants to do and pulls it off like no other movie ever has where it's just like, got it. We did it. It's it's like it's the Titanic of like weird bro action movies. You're just like, you did it. Look at look at what you did. It is it is like a pinnacle in a way. I remember like there's like one shot where they uh, there's the guy who's like whipping them and they cut off his arm and it's like the frame of like the twirling whip and the arm hanging and it's like slow-mo on that. I'm like, that's art house. Like there is something so insanely just executed about this movie. And I love how Byrne brought up the homoeroticism and the homophobia. There's the scene where they're like calling each other gay basically and they're throwing like corpses into like a pile. You know, like, they're butt ass naked the whole time. I'm just like, it is so funny that this movie is not aware of this at all. Because there could be other right, yeah. movies where they they're be like, you get it, like we're being homophobic, but it's because we're douchebags. Like this movie does not think anyone in this movie is a douchebag. And there's something so genuine in the the pure duncery. <laughs> like I love it. It's great. It's so dumb. <laughs> yeah, it was like the scales had fallen from my eyes watching it the second time. Cause when I was younger and saw this, you know, like all of my male friends were like all about this. Yeah. But now like where we are now in our lives and I'm like I feel like I'm a, I'm an ally I am pretty ingrained in like gay culture I'm like yeah this movie was made for the gays but like the movie itself doesn't know it was made for the gays it's but confusing. those are the best movies made for gays like and <laughs> yes. not to like be yeah. like no, yeah, that dude but it's just like it's yes. the ones that can be reclaimed like there's just something you know as as a you know straight enough white guy like it's I just feel like there's something just so much more charming about they didn't mean for it to be gay. That kind of makes it gayer, you know, like it just kind of it's coming from a place that's more um, mysterious and it kind of like makes for art to be more interesting because there's more layers, you know, to kind of try and like dig through because it's crazy how this movie was just embraced by like bro culture. And I was just like, yeah, man, like they're just going for it. Look, isn't that badass? And you're like, this is gay. And you're like, no, it's not. It's great. Look at it. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't mean gay like that. I don't mean gay in like your weird way. I mean, it's gay. <laughs> it's gay. You get that, right? And they're just like, no, it's not. Like they, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, it's just one of those movies. It's, and the fact that it came out in 2006 is just so 
important <laughs> to like how all of this is happening and how a studio like Warner Brothers could just let Zack Snyder make this thing like this and just be like, right? Like that. People are going to love this. And they did. Made over $200 million. It's a feat. Yeah. I mean, I sorry, Bernard, you, you had some. Oh, I was just going to say, there's even that one scene uh, where Xerxes was like displaying his brothel to that one who had gotten, you know, dismissed. And uh, there are a bunch of women, of course, but there's like one dude, like also just like gyrating and like dancing in front of him. Chilling. And I bet they were like, let's throw this dude in so that it actually speaks to like Greek myth. And, you know, Greek mythology is like pretty homoerotic. And, you know, it's implied that in Greek mythology, like men slept with men. But yeah. I love how in this one, he was like, let's throw it in to like, maybe be a little bit more accurate. But it kind of just like washed over me the first time. And I'm like, wait, there's totally a dude like gyrating in this brothel. <laughs> and the fact that that went over like so many men, like their heads when they watch this movie, and like, they didn't even pay attention to that is very funny to me. There's the there's the trope of like, a lot of uh, villains are like queer coded, you know, like a lot of villains in like Disney movies and otherwise like they're, they're flamboyant. They seem like they're potentially queer in that way. Um, and Xerxes is, is that way in this movie. I remember watching it back in the day. I'm like, Oh, he's like super gay and bad. But now I'm watching it. I'm just like, Oh no, no, that's, it's actually pretty even playing field because they yeah. all just be that way. <laughs> that's <laughs> you know, I, it's, I, it's not quite that way. He's just maybe a bit more. And, and the thing is like, I was about to say he's a bit more flamboyant. It's just like, no, he's not. They're all the same. He's not. It's all the same. I've heard like I've had so many discussions with people who either like these movies or don't like them on all the different. It's it's a great uh, like talking piece to like kind of mm. get to know somebody like in a group or like talk like three hundred. You see three hundred. It's like it's a movie that everybody pretty much saw, pretty yeah. much you know of a certain age. And you can kind of just be like, well, how'd you like it? What did you read from it? And like some of the big things I get is just like, you know, you get your tip, like you get your homophobia, you get your racist stuff, you get your um, ableist, you get like your, your, all that stuff. And it's just like, I don't know, man. Like, and again, like I watched it today and I'm like, I feel like all that stuff's kind of baked into like what it's doing. Like I, the ableist thing is like a big one where it's just like, that's sure. kind of baked into like what they're talking about with it. It's not like they're condoning one way or the other. And the big one, the, like that's a conversation that we can get into later if you want more deeply. But the big one is like, they're like, oh yeah, they paint Xerxes as like this, like homoerotic guy. And that's why he's the bad guy. And I'm like, what? Do you think gay people are bad? Like, what are you talking about? Like, that's kind of saying a little bit more about you than the intentionality. I'm just saying like the intentions aren't really there from what I can read where Zack Snyder's like, we got to make Xerxes gay because he's the bad guy. <laughs> and if he's gay, everybody will know he's the bad guy. And I'm like, I don't, I don't feel like that's what they're really out. doing there. Again, I just think the whole movie is a little gay in yeah. a good way. And shallow. And that, like, and that, it's not yeah, that it's, deep. That's the Definitely. thing. It's like, there's nothing really to kind of scratch at the <clears throat> surface there. Like they're not trying to be like, the Persians are like the non-white people and they're coming in to invade and we need to kill them. It's like, 
the Persians invaded Sparta. Like I, I don't. So but I also don't want. I don't want to sound like interesting on purpose. Yeah, I also <laughs> right. don't you know, want to like, sound yeah. like one of those guys who's just like coming up for like <laughs> white activism or whatever. And it's like that's not what the movie's trying to do because um, in history, this is what happened. Like it's just the There's intentionality. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's the intentionality of the movie. It just seems like these are the bad guys. These are the good guys. Uh, the good guys are also fucking crazy. And like, I feel like they make several points earlier on in the movie with them interacting with other people. And every person that they bump into who's not Spartan is like, are you guys fucking insane? What are you doing? And that's kind of the whole point. So the Spartans being the wild little boys that they are, the little apex running around. Yeah, they're just yeah. Mo- Mountain Dew hype juice all the time. Yeah, we fucking love murder. <laughs> it's so cool. They're into it. I don't know, Robbie. Have you seen Velvet Goldmine? I haven't. Okay. Burge and I just rewatched it kind of recently, like a year and a half ago mm-hmm. for Fair. the Colette stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a, a David Bowie-esque movie. Okay. And uh, Jonathan Reese myers plays a David Bowie-like character. And his name is Brian Slade. And then Ewan McGregor plays a character named Kurt Wilde, who's kind of like a more masculine uh, version of like a gay person. He's I think he's bisexual, but he's like much more like masculine. And yeah, watching this movie, I was like, oh, Xerxes is like David Bowie. He's like Brian Slade. And then you have Leonidas. And I'm like, oh, he's like Kurt Wilde. (laughs) Like they're just like very different (laughs) versions of like the same person. Right. right, Yeah. (laughs) It is interesting. You know, I think the only thematics <laughs> in this movie that, like, Zack Snyder is really concerned with, is, it's like, uh, you know, it's like movies that our dad's like, where it's just like the bravery to fall for your country, the kind of like, you know, the patriotism in that. Like, these are the things the movie is like really kind of dealing with. And then it's up to you. as. But I think the movie just kind of does a lot of like, as a good action movie does, kind of like presents it and doesn't intellectualize it too much. And then it's on the audience to kind of be like, well, that was weird. That was weird. I don't know. Or, like, that was cool. Like, I, yeah, there's not too much going on in this movie, but, you know, the... And uh, kind of go back to, like, a point earlier and kind of maybe, you know, work into, like, why some of this stuff doesn't work in Zack Snyder's later fare. Um, you know, this movie is a technical marvel, especially at the time that it came out. They invented, like, different camera rig systems to do some of these... Um, being able to cut into different um, focal lengths... They had a camera rig that had three different cameras at three different lengths and they would shoot like one action scene so they can like do that like cut in slow-mo effect that they have on some of the quote unquote one takes. And um, and that's stuff that, yeah, like, you know, I watched Morbius a few weeks ago and I know that's weird. And I watched it a few weeks ago and they even do like not quite to the same effect, but they even do the like, you know, there's an action sequence happening and then the quick cut in slow-mo and then the action kind of continues, you know, and like, it is crazy how much this inspired movies on a technical level going forward. You know, you don't see so much of like the the really high contrast effect that happens in this movie and other movies. And I do think there's some times where it really sings. There's like a shot where they're, they're like close up and you just see like their smiles and eyes and their helmets. And I'm like, that's so fucking cool. And very Frank Miller, very like Sin City style, you know, and probably pulled directly from the graphic novel. I'd imagine I didn't read it. But um, I think even though some of these technical skills, like in some of these like technical moments in the movie really shine, and even though they're almost like replicated kind of like verbatim or even like to a greater scale in like something like Justice League, something in Batman vs Superman, something like something like Watchmen, um, Zack Snyder just like 
cannot handle theme. It's like it's like he can do the craziest crammer work, stunt work. He can do everything like that. But the minute a narrative goes beyond like, you know, something as shallow as like historic patriotism or like, you know, nationalism, like he just can't really do it. And it's and it's kind of crazy. And then even like something like Watchmen, which he makes verbatim, he makes it like pretty much identical to the graphic novel and somehow misses the point of the graphic novel. Amazingly so. And then he goes on to do something like Superman and almost intellectualizes it too much. It almost crushes himself narratively by it. Um, to the point where the moments where he does some of these technical wonders like don't even matter because they're no longer interesting. So those are some of the things I was thinking about when kicking up his filmography as I was watching this movie. Do you guys have any points to bring up on, on that kind of idea? Yeah, I would say this movie is about toxic masculinity if I thought this movie had any thought process at all regarding that theme or topic. <laughs> you know, I just, yeah, I don't think it's that deep. I think he just wanted to tell this graphic novel story, which probably that that theme of toxic masculinity probably rang a little bit more true in the graphic novel. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the theme is the problem. But yeah. in this movie, this is a movie where he kind of gets away with it. Like, it's still a good movie, regardless. Burn, have you seen some of his later films? Like, have you, have you, did you see, like, Batman vs. Superman? I think you saw Watchmen, right? I saw Watchmen, and because I was such a big fan of the graphic novel Watchmen, after watching mm. his work, I, you know, I just like, all right, I think I'm going to step off this Zack Snyder train, because Fair. this was not for me. And I had high hopes going into it because I liked 300 so much when I had seen it in theaters. Yeah. I was like, oh, cool. Like, he knows how to adapt a graphic novel, but I agree with you. And with most other people, when, when it was yeah. like, ooh, that was that was a miss. Most people are on the same page about Watchmen, which is good. Yeah. Um, Mike, how, how do you feel about, like, what are some of the insights in rewatching 300 that you brought into maybe meditating on Zack Snyder's, like, future career somatically? Uh, I, it's just like, it's, he's doing things in 300 that are just like clicking and working for the movie and what the movie's trying to do. But again, the movie is a very simplistic movie that, you know, again, like the deepest themes that you could possibly get into this thing are like Burns said, toxic masculinity is like at play, but also like toxic masculinity is such a a layered thing to kind of unpack. And most of that is not present here. It's pretty much just like aggression and like, don't tell me what to do and don't listen to women. But like, even all that's like not there <laughs> with some of them, you know, it's, but also like nationalism, like you were talking about, like that's very much what Frank Miller's um, uh, comic book is about. Like that's the hardest thing that you could probably nail down with Frank Miller's intentionality. Who's somebody who's always talking about, how patriotism and capitalism are like these like poisons and stuff. And 300 is very much as kind of like, well, what if we made this idea of about what's going on in like America in the nineties and, you know, just going forward in this like weird sense of false patriotism. And we just kind of like hearkened it back to like this tale as old as time, like Greek Spartan myth, like in history, what if we did that? And like, that's kind of the easiest route into a, a deeper thing underneath this. But again, I don't think that Zack Snyder, no. one, gets it, two, has any interest in talking about it, which 
I'm all for because I think the movie is absolutely fine the way that it is. I think it's simplicity and it's style over substance, whether by intention or not, are what makes it so good. Honestly, if the movie was really trying to tell me anything about the weird, murky areas, because like, look, I don't think the movie's homophobic. I don't think it's racist. I don't think it's ableist. I do think that there are moments in it where it gets really close, like the toes are right on there. And if they try to teach you anything or say anything smart, then you'd be like, whoa, 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 hold on a second here. But it never really does. So it just kind of coasts and it's like this groove of a movie and you're just like, ah, the dude found out that he loved his wife. That's nice. That's cool. He accepted emotion. That's awesome. But when you start getting into things like Man of Steel, which I've said multiple times on this podcast before, I think Man of Steel is a really good movie. I think it's a terrible Superman movie um, because it's got nothing to do with what Superman is about. And I understand that they wanted to try and remove themselves from the Christopher Reeves, John Williams of it all. But like they just kind of created this whole new thing that like doesn't even make any sense. And like, again, Robbie, I completely agree. Like, I don't think Zack Snyder is very interested in theme. I'm sure theme is there because he's not writing these scripts like the the theme is there. I just think he's I think he's disinterested in them. Batman versus Superman probably has the biggest theme that he kind of hits where it's just like two good guys versus each other. Yeah. How did they do that? Well, I guess you just make one a villain. And that's what they do in Batman. Yeah, one you way just make Superman it. a bad guy. And it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like it's until yeah. another bad guy shows up and then they all team up with this girl that kind of showed up like for a second, but like wasn't really there. And then you're just supposed to know who she is because she's dressed like Wonder Woman. And you're like, cool. Um, overall, it's just like Zack Snyder's filmography, which burn. Have you, ever seen sucker punch no i haven't but i'm aware of it but would i haven't you, seen it would you be interested in seeing a movie that focuses on four women as the main characters uh directed by the man who made 300 no i don't think anybody <laughs> else was either and that's why that movie didn't do that well uh, i also I would, haven't yeah. seen Kick-Ass, and I feel like I would much rather sit down and watch Kick-Ass rather than Sucker Punch, although I know they're probably nothing alike. Nothing but to alike, me, I yeah. think about them coming around out around but the same time. They have There's that same kind of early comic, indie graphic novel, comic book attitude where it's like, yeah. we're not Marvel. We're not your daddy's comic book, like, kind of thing. <laughs> right. There's like, there's like something there to complete the two. I, I like, I think it's like, it makes sense. I feel like. Okay. Kick-Ass Thanks, is Robbie. a good movie. Kick-Ass, <laughs> Kick-Ass, yeah, Kick-Ass is a good movie. movie. Kick-Ass 2 is not so good. Fair. Kick-Ass 2 has its charms, but no, it's not good. Uh, I wouldn't Sequels are hard, argue that. guys. Are Especially hard. with movies like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, I, Kick-Ass I, has an amazing Nick Cage performance. That's what oh I my heard. God, like, amazing Kick-Ass so performance. Good. It's yeah. so good. No, I want to watch Kick-Ass again. Yeah. I wonder if like there's like a tale of like creative insecurity in Zack Snyder's filmography where he makes something like 300 and it's very successful and people really dig it. But it is dude bro. You know, it's coming out at the same time. Like I think about like um, and these games have been around for like a little bit, but like Halo, Call of Duty, Gears of War, the bro yep. shooters, like the idea of like bro culture, especially in like the video game space was like at all time high. Now, when you look at the video game space, like 
it, it's still like some people conflate it as like a male hobby, but so many women play video games. Like some of the biggest streamers in the world are women. Like, you know, it's not quite that way anymore. But in 2006, it very much was so. You think about Xbox, you think about guys, you think about Mountain Dew. It, bros, 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 bros. And I wonder if Zack Snyder is someone who like makes this movie and then he goes on to make movies where he's just like, well, I want to be the smart nerd. I want to be the cultured nerd. And he tries to, you know, take on themes and take on loftier ideas that he just can't quite, you know, he can't do spectacle in that at the same time, even to the point where you get like, you get to something like Batman vs Superman or even, yeah, Batman vs Superman, which I think is the most egregious example where he's just like, I will just make the movie really long and I will make it very boring for the first hour and then do the spectacle stuff that I want to show the audience that I am doing the mature take on these characters, the intellectual man's take on these characters, and then do this where you know i think he conflates the idea not to use that word too much but he conflates the idea of like intelligence with big concepts and that's the problem with something like batman or superman where it like thinks it's smarter than it is because it's dealing with man versus god and even though those concepts are big he doesn't really do much to flesh them out at all so i don't know i almost wonder if like he's he's like an insecure creator in some way not that he really has any reason to be he'd make a money but yeah i don't know that's just kind of something i was just kicking around now thinking about all this yeah, I don't think I've seen enough of his filmography to really feel like I understand him as a person. It also makes me wonder if there are just like too many cooks in the kitchen when it came to other films moving forward since 300 was, you know, his second film. So maybe there wasn't as much oversight going into it or as much direction pushing and pulling. But once it did so well, I wonder if, you know, producers and studio heads maybe got a little too involved. And so the film's following kind of failed because of that. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of like a little bit of both sides of that with like, you know, with 300, he's not this auteur director yet, which he kind of just like comes out of the gate from 300 as like this auteur, like Zack Snyder. Everybody knows his name. It's, it's all over now. Um, And I do know that 300 Warner brothers wanted it to be PG 13. There's this huge thing. And Zack Snyder, just little baby was like, no, absolutely not. And refused, refused to try and cut things down. And Warner brothers eventually was just like, fine. And they just released an R rated graphic novel movie, you know, since city had just come out and they were like, Oh, maybe we can like hit the same kind of like 70, $80 million mark that, that they did. And the 300 blew past that. Um, And I think it just kind of like comes into the sense of like, as he becomes more of an auteur, yes, the studio maybe wants to have a little bit more play on like, as they're giving him more money, they want a little bit more control over it. But also at the same time, as he becomes an auteur, they're like, we got to let this guy do his 300 thing. You know, he, we we argued with him during three, because he's a Warner Brothers boy. And Warner Brothers was like, we argued with him on 300. He made a rated R. This thing made us so much money. Maybe this guy knows what he's doing. And that might be one of the biggest failings of it is because Watchmen made money. A Superman movie, a Batman movie is going to make money. A Justice League movie is going to make money. Even if Joss Whedon comes in and completely redoes it and actually does a better job with all of the characters than anybody else, but is also a super toxic person. And it absolutely sucks. And I lose sleep at night thinking about that. And I hope that he's okay. But I also hope that he never fucking makes a movie ever again and just shuts up. And I never have to hear another word from him ever again. 
Um, I think it becomes this thing where they just kind of let Zack Snyder do his thing because they're like, he's an auteur. He knows what he's doing. But I think the big thing in the conversation that we're having right now is, you know, all love to Zack Snyder. I, I agree with Robbie's kind of take on this where it's like, I don't think that he's particularly interested in exploring themes. I think that Robbie is right in that he's like, well, the first hour of Batman versus Superman is just all about this quiet stuff. Isn't that smart art? <laughs> and it's just like, mm, well, no. And like, and again, like I, I guarantee that Zack Snyder is probably smarter than me. The man is a fucking millionaire and he makes movies all the fucking time. So like he's, he, I'm not trying to downgrade his, his intelligence. When we talk about his intelligence in art, I'm not trying to say that Zack Snyder is like, a bro douchebag that doesn't know how to make a movie that means something. I'm saying that he seems like a really sweet guy. He seems like a super sweet guy. I think that it's just not his, it's not his prerogative going into these types of movies, which, you know, given the types of movies that Zack Snyder makes, maybe it shouldn't be, you know, he's, he's not Christopher Nolan, who was this guy that makes these amazing, thoughtful, intricate uh, indie movies and he got plucked from that surface and was make Batman movies now and made some of the best Batman movies because he was able to kind of also be like oh I can also make action with all these kind of ideas and kind of balance them we're not all Christopher Nolan that's why he is Christopher Nolan and I think that Zack Snyder maybe in some way is um, you know I'm not trying to fucking psychoanalyze Zack Snyder now, but I do think that that's maybe something as Zack Snyder's coming into making a Superman movie after the Dark Knight trilogy and making a new Batman movie after the Dark Knight trilogy. Maybe that's something that he kind of got in his head about and maybe didn't have the oversight from the studio and people around him to be like, that's not what made those things special. Like, you know, injecting Christ allegory into Superman isn't actually like the newest idea. And I think people are going to roll their eyes at you about that. And he's like, nah, it'll be good. They'll like it. And it's like, (laughs) and again, in man of steel, I love the Christ allegory stuff in the sense of like this being a movie that's about some weird alien that falls to planet earth and has to learn how to protect them, even though everybody absolutely hates him as an immigrant. Uh, I think that's a very interesting story and movie to make. That's not what Superman is. That's not who he is. It's just not what it is. And you can change it a little bit in the same way that they changed Captain America, who's a very similar kind of character, like in the movies, like Chris Evans, Captain America is not what he's like in the comics. In the comics, Captain America is is a really weird dude and would probably not play well with global audiences uh, named Captain America. And they just don't, he just doesn't change it enough to become something that can stand on its own. You know, like Chris Evans, Captain America is forever different from the Captain America in Marvel comics. Like they just, they're, they're the same character, but they're, they're so separate, but yet kind of still matter the same way. You know what I mean? Whereas like his Superman, Zack Snyder, Superman is just kind of like, you're just taking all the cool, fun bro stuff about Superman and then you're just trying to like make him angsty for some reason, even though Superman should not be angsty because he can do anything like he can fix pretty much any problem except for 
his heart. But like, you know, he shouldn't be like worrying about that too much. Not too much. Um, so as we get close to the end, I have two things I want to do. But my final like 300 snacks, Zack Snyder snack. He's a snack Snyder conversation. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, Can we take it again? He's a snack Snyder. Um, what is an an intellectual property, an IP that we think Zack Snyder could hit and really nail? Like, what do you think is something he could adapt and actually like do it well and use the skill set and kind of and hit it? I'll go first. I would love to see him make an Assassin's Creed movie because I think that Assassin's Creed is another one that like maybe people intellectualize too much and you know he could have that danger as well but I think he would be very concerned on just cool assassin stuff and that's something we did not get in the last movie and I think that he also like you know seeing what he does with this movie he has like an understanding of like historical flares and that's like all that Assassin's Creed is about and I just think he would make a rock and roll Assassin's Creed movie so that's my oh and also uh another video game one I think he would make a good Gears of War movie as well that's it uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was I was gonna say yeah. If you want to go first, I I can't think of one off of the top of my head. I mean, if yet. I talk for a little bit, maybe yeah, yeah. I'll see if it flexes some stuff I have out. Like, <laughs> I have like two little doodads in there. Um, you know, I'm looking at this uh, Blu-ray right now that I own of um, Clifford the Big Red Dog, <laughs> <laughs> and you know. <laughs> 100% fun cool. for the entire family, but what about 100% fun for that bro in your life? Um, <laughs> I think that if we're going comic books, I agree with the Assassin's Creed thing, Robbie. However, yeah. Justin yeah. Kurzel, I want more of his Assassin's Creed because I think that that's why on our 8-Bits episode on Assassin's Creed, we were like, this is one of the best comic book, uh, video game adaptations because it does the exact opposite of video game movies and it, it gets rid of all of the lore of the video games it's like let's focus on um how weird this is and just yeah. kind of goes for it in this weird body horror way and i'd love to see what justin Kurzel could do with that i do agree that that is something that's maybe a little bit more in line with what Zack snyder would want to do for the exact reasons you said um mm -hmm. for comic books i would say i would love Zack snyder to do a hulk movie because I think the themes Ooh, of the Hulk are extremely simple and very kind of like Jekyll and Hyde, baby. You, even Zack Snyder can't fuck that up. It's like, that's what it is. <laughs> um, I but I, I would also love to see, you know, um, I would love to see Zack Snyder tackle one of two things that is one of them's kind of IP and one of them isn't, but they're both kind of on the same plane. I'd love to see Zack Snyder be able to maybe get to make like uh, a $35 million passion project. Something very small, very intimate that I think we could actually be moving towards, like as he's kind of slowing down um, from everything in his life and everything. So maybe there's some stuff that he wants to maybe focus on. I would love to see something that's a little bit more intimate and maybe not something that he writes. Um, cause I don't know how good of a writer he is, but I do know that he's got friends all over 
the universe, you know, like he's got Hans Zimmer right on his side. Like, can you imagine like Zack Snyder making like a, a, a very close to the heart kind of movie with Hans Zimmer, you know, orchestrating it while Hans Zimmer is also maybe kind of toning himself down a little bit. And just these people who are such auteurs and great in these big spectacle blockbusters, maybe just kind of bringing it down a bit, but having a sizable budget to be able to do it within the studio system could be the exact thing that we need to like have more movies like that made. Um, but I also think that Zack Snyder, and I do think that this is maybe what's going to happen, uh, him remaking like a classic film from the seventies or the eighties, uh, for a new generation. Um, I don't know what that would be, but I do think that Zack Snyder has the name recognition and the clout to be able to get something like that made. So it really only depends on like Zack Snyder's like, I want to remake Goonies. And it's like, I would watch that. I would watch a Zack Snyder directed remake of Goonies that takes place, you know, with like millennials or whatever the new generation's called. It's I don't I don't know what the fuck everything's Zo- called. Zoomers. Zoomers. <laughs> Isn't that the is that is that the that's the next one? I think the Zoomers. Zoomer. I don't know. I, now we sound very. I think old. so. No. <laughs> I'd be Who's interested in something like that, like something that is just like. Oh, that makes sense. Of course they would remake Goonies. Who would they get to remake it? And you're just like, Zack Snyder. And you're like, wait, what? And it's just like, yeah, what's the thematic element of Goonies? There's like not a whole lot there. It's like, uh, it's, it, it is that. It's like, he doesn't have to deal with all that nonsense. And he can just be like, you know, Henry Cavill can play like one of the bad guys and stuff. And it's like, or a, or a dad <laughs> or a dad. And he can be like a super hot dad that you want to kiss. Like, I'd, I'd love that. <laughs> yeah. I, I like all of these ideas that you guys are throwing out. Uh, I'll say that I, I agree with everything you've said. Um, yeah, I think back when Watchmen came out, um, I was, I took it so personally, which I shouldn't have, that it was just so wrong. Um, just because it was wild to me that they were making Watchmen at all. And so the fact that he got it off of the success of 300, I will say that he probably just, you know, he didn't really have any restraint because 300 was so successful that why would he do it very differently from what he was used to already? Like what was going to make him stretch and maybe reach for some different tools in the toolbox? Like he didn't have to because he was already told, like, this is successful. Just cut, copy, paste uh, to the next thing. And, you know, that's that's fine. But when it comes to IP, I feel like everything that I've seen and that I really like has already been done so well. Because um, when I'm trying to think of, like, graphic novels that I really love, uh, Ghost World is one of my favorites, but that was already done so well as a film. And, like, Scott Pilgrim I really love, but, you know, that was already, like, perfectly mastered and executed. So... A lot of the stuff that I'm really into has already been done so well, I would hate to see it redone in any capacity. Um, So if he were to do something else, I would love to see him maybe tackle something like for children, even though that sounds like completely off topic of like what he usually goes toward. But I'm thinking more of like, you know, not scary stories to tell in the dark, which I didn't see that film. Although it's kind of like still on my list, but that was like one of my favorites growing up. Um, but like, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? I know they had like a resurgence. Kinda. Yeah, Goosebumps. 
or even like uh, Strange Tales from, what are those called? Wayside High? Blanking oh, on the name I don't of know. this. I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah. yeah. Those those books were cool. It was by the same author who did the book, Holes, uh, Louis Sakar. He wrote that okay. series. And that's really cool. I think uh, that would be interesting to see him tackle something uh, through that lens. But I also think, I don't know if he would ever approach a project like this, but since his uh, one of his daughters committed suicide... I would love to see him tackle something a little bit more personal and maybe something with a little bit more heart and more of like an indie perspective of maybe tackling something that deals with that. But I don't know what project that would be either. But yeah, I think he has it in him to do something original maybe and not necessarily adapt something. But I don't know. Uh, It's a very good question, Robbie. Yeah, I'm glad. I think you guys had fun with it. One of the through one of the points that Mike brought up is, um, I was thinking about like the hand, the hand Zimmer of it all. I'm like, it'd be cool if he made a silent movie, mm. like a mood piece. You know, like a movie that's just vibes. Like I feel like that'd be kind of cool, all vibes, you know? all vibes, no filler. <laughs> I like that. But Burn, I like you know, and like I think it, it maybe like jumped off from like the Goonies of it all too. But I like Burn, I like your idea of him like skewing more towards like children and just you know maybe seeing him flex some different muscles will kind of remind us remind us of like why that toolbox he he kind of invented is so good in the first place but i think those are all good ideas um so i'm going to close the book on 300 and Zack snyder if in the last few minutes of this of this 300 of our final episode um if we were to do more uh how you know let's let's be a little reflective how do we feel about story screen presents as a podcast and what do we think we want to tackle going forward. I know for me, like I, I really am proud of the body of work that we've done. And I'm really proud of like the effort that we've all put into it for this, these many, many years. I think one of the things that we always want to do is like get more listeners, get more people to like, like it the way that we like it, you know, have, have more guests, you know, I'd love for, you know, one day if we have the studio space to get people who aren't like, who are just our friends and aren't just movie people and we can just invite in to sit down and just talk about a movie and have it be more of the people's podcast in a way. But, uh, you know, I am, I just want to say like, you know, I'm proud of all you guys for doing all the work that you've done for the podcast. I'm really proud of all the episodes that we've done so far, every single one. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's a body of work we should all be really proud of because it's very personal and it's a bookmark into all of our lives. And if you listen back, I think you'd hear some, you you get to know all of us extremely personally and you would become our best friends if you were to listen to it. But that's that's my two cents on where we are on episode 300. It's unfortunate it's the last one, but if we were to do more, how do you guys feel about that? If we were to continue, uh, yeah, I, I feel really good about what we've done. I can now listen to my voice and not be like, ugh, what is that? <laughs> uh, so often I've recorded a podcast and of course I always remember like the one dumb thing that I said or like the one misnamed actor or actress or whatever. I'll remember that, but I know the listeners probably don't remember that because they just shout at me on their end and they're like, you're wrong. <laughs> and then we all move on together and it's fine. Um, but yeah, no, I think what we've done is really impressive and I'm proud of you guys as well for just contributing and just being game to kind of do whatever like this podcast. Um, I think moving forward for me, um, room to grow is sometimes I like, I don't know, it just kind of depends on the day. Sometimes I'll really want to like stick to the format 
and the conversation can be a little bit more rigid. But then sometimes I'm like a little more loosey-goosey and will kind of let whatever flow. And I think that's when like more bits happen because I know I think you guys are better at bits than I am. I usually like I'm pretty no. like we must bits? talk about Thank the you work. very much, but no, but no, please. Bits? What bits? Um, but yeah, I think uh, the longer we do this, the more comfortable we get with like being ridiculous, but also the more knowledgeable we become. Uh, we're all kind of we're all people who studied this, but I feel like we are treating Story Screen as a fun outlet, but also as like a school that furthers our knowledge and repertoire. And I think that's awesome. And I'm so happy and lucky to get this space to share with you guys to like better myself and improve and learn more about film and television. And it's great. Nice. Thank you, Burn. Uh, White Knight of Movies, Mike Burge. What do you What do you got to say? Honestly, I'm glad it's over. Um, <laughs> I've had a great time doing it, but I'm I'm really tired, uh, and I just don't feel like we'd be able to continue. You know, at the at the place that we are in our lives, um, which uh, I should also take a moment too because you guys were actually tricking me for a minute there so to the hundreds of people that do listen to this we're not stopping we're not actually stopping because <laughs> the cool, way cool, that cool, you guys man. were talking about it i was like are people gonna think like we're actually stopping because it seemed like this is the sign off we're done and everybody uh but no um i've i love doing this uh as someone who is um uh very busy because I don't know how to balance my work life and my personal life properly, which I promise you I am trying to get better at so that we can start hanging out and being really good friends. Um, the podcast has always been a way for me to force you guys to hang out or rather yes. also to force me to stop working and just hang out and talk about something. Uh I'm a big, uh, it's very hard for me to figure out what I want to watch when it's not for the site. You know, like uh, when we get towards the end of the year, loads to watch for the best of lists. And that's why me and Burns, like stuff with Colette stuff and the newly minted patents and stuff like that's that gives me these things that I never would have even considered watching before, <laughs> but it gives me something to watch and it gives me something to kind of compare and kind of just get to see the the delicate art of watching movies, which can get lost when you just watch and talk about movies pretty much all the time. Um the podcast, I think, is a way for me personally to be able to have fun with watching movies and talking about them while also kind of feeling productive. And then, you know, all the people that come into the theater that listen to the podcast and like talk to us about it and stuff like that. It's really wild that so many people in Beacon listen to it and come in and like it's it's not all on the comments and everything. People just kind of come in. They're just like, yeah, I do that. And it's like, well, why don't you comment? And they're like, oh, I, I would never. I don't Because it's out on the social media kind of thing. But but people come in and they're just like, I love I loved what you guys were talking about with this and doing that. And would you guys ever think about doing this? It's It's really cool because while it is this kind of internet community kind of platform, we've really got ourselves like a really good local following as well of people who 
not only support the website and the podcast, but also support the theater and like, you know, they're one in the same with it and getting to talk to those people and not know which episodes they've listened to. So I'm just like, they hear like my weird take on like Alexander de Pla, or they like just talking about like <laughs> how nice we were to Zack Snyder because he's such a, he is, he is a, he is a sweet, he's a sweet boy. I wouldn't say he's, he's a, not sweet, a sweet, sweet, I wouldn't say he's a sweet, <laughs> sweet boy, but he is a no. sweet boy in interviews for he's sure. Sweet boy. Um, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, another 300. Well, Mike, you convinced me. We will do more episodes <laughs> of the podcast. I really wanted to, I was, Did I, ruin to, the bet? You know, I ruined the bet. Sorry. <laughs> I just got really worried the there for a second. You're I was so like, nervous. You're so are nervous. We, are we actually, the bit uh, evolved. Um, yeah, it did evolve. Thank you, Bern. A, a woman of patience, you are. Mm, thank well, you. Well, I think that we will do more episodes. Um, but yeah, you know, at this seminal moment, at this checkpoint in our podcast lineage, I think that we've all gotten better and better at doing this stuff. And uh, I'm really proud of all of us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. The audience that has listened from episode one or episode 20 or episode 299, uh, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. This is not the only podcast on StoryScreenBeacon.com. <laughs> StoryScreenBeacon.com is a host to many art... Uh, fuck me. I've done this 300 times. Shit. <laughs> well, I guess not 300 almost times. 300 like, times almost 300 times for you, Almost 300 Robbie. times. <laughs> StoryScreenBeacon.com is a host to many podcasts, articles, and reviews. So be sure to head over to our website. On there, you can see the times for our actual movie theater where we show movies, which is pretty cool. You can also go to Wonder Bar and get a snack. Uh, we do many types of podcasts. I'm a frequent host of Hot Takes. Uh, Bernadette Gorman White also has her own show called Catherine Raycast, where she covers TV. And Mike Burge, when he has time, does Overdrinkers, where he drinks and talks about movies over that drink. The two Ooh. things I do best. <laughs> you know what they say: if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right, Mike? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm great. Don't so, worry about me. He doesn't have days in his He's life. Great. They all blur together. Don't don't you, give me a second thought. Don't even worry about it. I got it. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back with more podcasts. Don't worry. I was lying. Until next time. Peace. Bye. Bye. tests all right everyone see if i'm popping up on their thing am i popping up on your thing this is me being excited i'm talking at a loud volume how are we looking yeah you're looking good am i popping up on your thing Hmm? am i i'm getting excited good mike am i popping up on your thing am i popping up i'm really excited and this fucking shit I think we're good. All right. All right. <laughs> Five seconds of silence. I'll count down and uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs>